This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters. Lots of activity on the basketball front. None of it surprising, but uh, a couple of guys entering the transfer portal, Cameron Dollar being let go, and uh, commitment this morning. And while Chris and I are doing this podcast, we're actively watching our Twitter feeds, our email, as well as our um text messages because we still expect more activity with more exits with the portal, uh, more guys entering the portal and more guys uh coming in. So if a guy leaves, people are going to get wound up and then somebody else is going to come in. But, you know, Chris, let's uh, first of all go to the camera dollar situation. Of course, he um, resigned last week. Any surprise there to you? No, not at all. Um, you know, it's clear that, you know, when he decided to opt out on traveling um, due to COVID and concerns with his family, which, in my opinion, is completely warranted, um, it certainly showed where his head was at in terms of, you know, how invested he was going to, you know, fully be with the program in comparison with the other coaches on the staff. Um, so you could already tell that maybe part of his mind was already – set on on maybe going in a different direction and when you hear about his youth initiative and and trying to help the youth in, in especially in disadvantaged communities it's a it's a phenomenal thing so i wish cameron the best of luck with that um obviously a, a great servant to the program under two head coaches and um like i said i wish him well but you could already kind of see as soon as the news came out that he wasn't going to be traveling due to covid that um you know there was he probably had something already on his mind. Yeah. And he's also got a couple of kids. I think they're entering high school here shortly. And I, I think that um, what he wants to do is maybe focus on his passion. And Chris, you know, we've seen this before where we have um, seen coaches who have been a head coach and they've been fired and they're just not the same. Um, you know, definitely Tyrone Willingham, you know, could fit that bill. I think Keith Gilbertson could fit that bill to a certain extent, but firing seems to take its toll on you. And, um, Cameron Dollar that was here under, um, Mike Hopkins sure didn't seem like the Cameron Dollar that was here under Lorenzo Romar. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you could probably say that. I mean, as you get older, maybe things change, circumstances change. Didn't seem to affect him when he came back to Washington under Hopkins the first couple of years. Um, they obviously enjoyed a, a lot of success, won a Pac-12 title, and made it to the NCAA tournament for the first time in a while. So, I mean, there were certainly some some positives by getting Cameron to come back to, to Motlick and be a part of Hopkins' staff. It's just that clearly over the last year and a half or so, 
you know, maybe circumstances in his life has changed. Again, he talked about um, the, the youth initiative that's become such an important part of, of what he's about. And so, yeah, priorities change too. And, um, you know, like I said, it, it, when, when circumstances in your life can change like that, and, and maybe you're not as invested in your profession as you are your passion, your, the thing that you feel like you're really meant to be doing, then clearly, you, you know, a reexamination is important and, and taking that upon yourself is, is, is just as important and, and understanding that and, 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 I don't know, just trying to make sure that that's clear to the people around you. And so, yeah. you know, I, I, like I said, I, I just wish Cameron the best of luck in, in the next endeavor because, um, there's a lot of opportunities for him to be successful in that arena and he can yeah. change a lot of lives, just like he changed a lot of lives through basketball. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that kind of sticks out to me is, you know, a conversation I had with Jen Cohen and, uh, when Jen was t- talking to me about her interactions with Chris Peterson and just saying he's not the same guy. He just says, you know, he's got the weight of the world off of his shoulders. He's happy. He's focusing on his passion. And it's like he's been recharged into a new career and a new life. And I kind of see that could happening with Cameron Dollar, just the burden of, you know, the stresses of recruiting and coaching all the time and just finally being able to do what he wants to do. And just, you know, I get the feeling that it's going to be a good thing for Cameron and, you know, moving on to something that he has a passion. And I wouldn't be surprised if he winds back up coaching at some point. But I think right now, you know, it sure seems like a break might be the best thing for him and pursue his passion a little bit. So best of luck to, you know, Cameron Dollar and, you know, the big question question is, you know, are they done with coaching changes? You know, is that going to be the final push? Because, um, you know, is that going to be the final change? Because I, I fully anticipate more changes. I don't know about Dave Rice one way or another, but uh, some off-the-court things and more help off the court could probably be in the works as well. And from my understanding, the budget's there for Hopkins to do what he needs to do. But uh, let's go back to last week, Eric Stevenson entering his name into the transfer portal. Just your initial thoughts on that, Chris. A little surprising just because, you know, he came from a difficult situation, Wichita, Wichita State. He was coming back to the state of Washington. He was coming home. Um, it felt like the right time and the right fit. Um, you know, they were losing some things in terms of points. So they were, you know, going to get some scoring from him ideally. Um, wasn't sure about the defensive piece of the thing. You know, he, you know, he was, everyone expected that, that Hopkins was still going to run the zone and, and um Stevenson had never run zone before, so there was that piece that had to be uh worked out. But overall it, it, it felt like the right fit at the right time, much as I would have said about Cole Bajima coming back to Washington from Michigan. You know, no no difference there. So yeah, I I'm surprised only because you know, he comes back and then is all of a sudden in the portal less than a year later. It it feels to me like, you know, maybe he realized it wasn't a good fit. Maybe he was hoping Maybe it was out of uh, hope as opposed to expectation that the fit was going to be there, and and just it just never really materialized. I find it kind of funny, and I commented on the board that somebody mentioned, you know, that he hated playing the zone, and uh, you know, it's, if that's true, and that's the reason he transferred, I think it's the first time in the history of basketball that a shooter is left because of a defensive philosophy. So, <laughs> not buying that at all. But Chris, you saw it as well as I did. You know, he was absolutely 
awful at the beginning of the year. It just looked like he pissed off the basketball gods and could not get a shot to drop for the life of him, no matter what he did. And he really struggled at the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, throughout the season when he wasn't playing well, his body language was horrible. Yeah, there, there's no doubt that um, he was going to let you know it. If if things were going well, you could tell he was feeling it. The body language was there to show it. And when things weren't going well, it was equally as bad. And one thing I will say about Eric Stevenson, though, if if you know if you wanted to know how much dog or how much fight is in that guy, he's a tough kid. Eric Stevenson's a tough kid. You yep. could tell he's he he wanted to get out there and scrap and get after it. And when things are going well, it's easy to be that guy and it's easy to show that. But if things aren't going well, now all of a sudden it turns into cheap fouls. It turns into hanging your head. It turns into a lot of other things that end up being detrimental, not just to the player, but to the, to, to the whole, to the program. And so unfortunately, like you said, he got off to a horrible start. He's clearly a guy that his defense is catalyzed by his offense. You know, he has to get off to a good shot, start, hit some threes or, or get some lay-ins, get some contact, make some N1s. He needs something to kind of get him going a little bit. Yeah. And I, I just think he never really overcame the poor start. And to Eric's credit as well, you know, it drove me nuts all year long. This team, you know, one of, you know, when Lorenzo Romar was here, one of his big things was, you know, hey, we're going to get the loose balls. But this team, I think, was last in the conference in obtaining loose balls. But the only guy who seemed to be willing to stick his nose in there and get a bloody nose for it was Eric Stevenson. So I'll give Eric a lot of credit on that. He was the one who would dive after loose balls and, you know, wasn't shying away from contact. So uh, I wish him the best. Um, we'll see where he wants up so um we'll see if he can find his stroke but then again yesterday news that Marcus Sahonis has also entered the transfer portal and I think that came as a surprise to some it certainly didn't come to a surprise to me how surprised were you at that Chris initially I was a little surprised only because you know I think we were we were both talking kind of off the air about how it was it, it felt like it was common knowledge that Stevenson and Sahonis would probably be the ones that would be fighting for one of the starting spots. And so it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a shock to see one of them go. And so it was going to be Stevenson maybe or Sahonis, but to see both of them go was a little bit of a shock, especially since Sahonis is a kid that Hopkins recruited both him and Cameron Dollar, both recruited Sahonis from Portland to Seattle. And so he is one of their guys. I mean, he is a guy that that they brought up and they thought could be a great fit in this offense. And at times he showed he could take over games. And I just think the inconsistency is probably what ultimately caused him to think that uh, another option was, was probably in the cards because, you know, he played 23 games, but he only started four times. And that's ultimately, I think what it comes down to. I think he, he wants to be the guy and, and I think he's shown that he can be the guy. I just think that, and I won't speak for you, Kim, but I, I kind of thought he could be the guy next year for Washington, especially when it came to the scoring piece with no Quade Green coming back. And, and obviously if you lose an Eric Stevenson, that's another, um, you know, almost 10 points a game that you're going to have to come up with. I thought it was a perfect opportunity for Sahonis to, to come in and be that guy, to be the man. Um, but he's clearly going in a different direction. And I think therein lies part of the problem where he wanted to be the man. And I think it showed really, um, I think it just really showed itself towards the end of the year because I thought there were some times where 
I was I couldn't believe what the way he was playing. Uh, guys would be wide open in the corner. He wouldn't take the shots, and um, it seemed like um, I sensed friction with him and Eric Stevenson quite a bit on the court if they were playing together because. I saw many times each one of them were open and they just refused to pass to each other. And, you know, with one guy open in the corner, not passing it and then deciding to take it in the key and getting a shot blocked. Uh, I saw quite a bit of that. So um, I think that um, unfortunately in this day and age, you know, you see a lot of players where they want to be the guy or it's about getting theirs. And I saw that not only with, um, you know, Marcus Sahonis, but some others as well. I saw last year, you know, uh, you know, huge deal with Jaden McDaniels with somebody in his camp, you know, always in his ear to get his, to be the man, superstars make superstars play and all that kind of nonsense that was, you know, going on. So, um, you know, you just never know who's in the ears of these kids, you know, with their ultimate goal is to get paid, to get to the NBA. But, uh, you know, when things are going bad, it's really easy to point fingers. But, uh, for me, um, I don't think there's anybody on this team that I would have been sorry to see leave. Um, you know, uh, you know, Nate Roberts is definitely going to be back. Cole Bajima is going to definitely be back. Um, Riley Sorn is definitely going to be back. I haven't heard anything about Jamal Bay, but I'd be surprised if Jamal Bay left. But some of the other guys, I still expect some attrition and from my understanding, Coach Hopkins is having, you know, exit interviews at the end of the season, which he has with every players, and those are going on this week. It's also spring break, so if some of the guys aren't around. I still expect some more attrition, and I still uh, expect some additions as well. Uh, you know, with the Sahonis and Stevenson, I think they're going to want to go to programs where they're kind of showcased a little bit more, so I don't expect them to go to um, – high-level teams in conferences, you know, I don't expect them to go to top 20 type teams. So uh, we'll see where they wind up. I mean, where do you, what would be your guess for the future of those two guys, Chris? Well, again, Kim, I think you put a, a little bit of a point on it, but when things are going well, it's easy to be a team player. It's easy mm-hmm. to find your niche and it's easy to kind of roll with whatever's going on because as long as you're racking up W's, ultimately you don't, you usually don't care. Um, but it's when the losses come and you're really having to struggle to find a way to, to find a win where the character, your character's revealed. It's not made, it's revealed. And so that's where you see, you know, if you're asking me where I think they land, I think they could land it at, at smaller conference programs, but ones that have a winning tradition, you know, ones where they don't have to fight so hard to, to find a way to win. And that they, they are with players that have historically found a way to win. If, so if, if you were asking me, that's kind of the makeup of the programs that I think they might be targeting. I'm trying to turn off my text. I'm sure you can hear it in the background. So, uh, sorry about that. I'll try to turn that off. I thought I had, there we go. Quick messages, but, um, all of a sudden, you know, Washington, I think, well, let's talk about the commitment a little bit first. Washington was able to get a commitment. Uh, happened actually a couple of days ago. From my understanding, you know, Chris, you took a lot of time yesterday, you know, vetting uh, the new kid coming in, San, Samuel Ariyibi. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Ariyibi, yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice pickup for Mike Hopkins. He's out of the NBA Academy out of Africa. 6'7", 190-pound wing is what I'm hearing, but... Uh, 
Uh, tell us a little bit about what you found out about Samuel. Well, the interesting thing is, is that clearly no one is surprised by the talent infusion that comes from Africa when it comes to basketball. I mean, you know, again, like I said in the story that I put out, you know, you go all the way back to Akeem Olajuwon and then, you know, remember back in the day when Michael Olawakandi was a number one pick in the NBA draft. Uh, and then the Pac-12 has had some superstars like Ike Diagu, um, Andre Iguodala and DeAndre Ayton at Arizona, uh, Onyeka Nkongwu from USC. And then obviously you even go to, to Washington State right now with Effie Ab- uh, Obagidi and then, um, Warith Alatiche at Oregon State. All, the, both those guys, Nigerians and have made a huge impact, uh, in those, in those programs. So now Washington has got a, a, a player from Nigeria to call their own and, in Samuel, uh, Ariyibi, and arguably he could be the best of the lot. Now the only difference between Samuel's situation and what guys like Abagidi and Alatiche did is that Abagidi actually came to the States and played in high school in Houston. And if I remember correctly, uh, Alatiche, um, well actually Alatiche was the one that played in Houston. Abagidi, I think, went to Australia first and then went to the United States. He played at the NBA Global Academy in Australia. So literally when we're talking about a guy like Ariyibi, he was picked up by the NBA um, Academy Africa, which I believe at the time was in Senegal, but now I think they have a, a location in Lagos, Nigeria, where he's from. And, um, you know, he was picked up as a, as a relatively younger guy and um, and brought in in the process because it's kind of word of mouth. Guys who are in the program know of, of other players in their regions, in their cities, who these guys should get in touch with. And that's how it happened for a guy like Ariyibi. And, and all of a sudden he went from being a guy that they brought in that was really raw and unknown. And as of 2019 in their, in their basketball without borders uh, tournament that was held in Senegal, he was the MVP. And that's the tournament that the NBA guys all come to. They come from the States and go to Africa to scout and to watch all these guys. And I'm talking about the NBA guys, not just college guys. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how he transitions from playing in uh, Nigeria and playing in Senegal and playing for the NBA Academy Africa, which is where he's at right now, to the States. Because he actually has been to the States uh, about a year ago, maybe 14 months ago. He came with his NBA uh, Academy Africa teammates and played a number of, of games and actually got a chance to see some NBA games as well. So he's gotten a little bit of a taste of the States. Um, we'll see how long it takes him to actually fully acclimate to what's going on here. But it sure sounds like he's got a great support structure with the NBA Academy Africa. And uh, clearly uh, Hopkins and his staff have done their homework and getting a guy with a lot of length and um, ability to play the zone with his defensive tenacity that uh, is apparently one of his calling cards. Yeah, I, when you take a look at it, it looks like the exact type of fit, you know, and we expect Mike Hopkins to bring in more guys like that. Um, offensively, he looks like he's got a ways to go. Defensively and uh, athleticism looks like, um, you know, that's going to be his calling card. And But you know what, you know, Matisse Thibel, his first couple of years at Washington, he didn't do a lot defensively 
excuse me, offensively either. And that's something that can grow. But, you know, when you take a look at what's going on out there now, Chris, you know, you've not only got to recruit the high schools, but you're going to have to recruit the transfer portal really hard. And we're seeing a lot of names mentioned. And, you know, I fully expect Mike um, Hopkins to hit the transfer portal hard. You know, and the things that I've heard from various sources is that, you know, he would prefer, you know, to get guys to come in that are more than just one-year guys. He wants to bring in guys that have at least two, possibly three years. But with the amount of turnover on this roster, I think that, you know, I expect them to go after a guy like Terrell Brown real hard, who's out of Garfield High School, went to Seattle U, did a really good job there, was down at Arizona. He's been around the block, and everything I've heard about Terrell is, you know, he's a leader, he's a dog, he's got a lot of fight, he doesn't quit, you know. Um, you know, he's got that little bit of a killer in him, which is what this team desperately needs and if they're able to get a guy like Terrell Brown even though he has one year of eligibility left I think he could be that stabilizing force that this team really needs and um would really uh welcome you know and I'm sure that you know coming back home would be a big deal for Terrell too yeah and I haven't really looked at the the portal to know exactly who's out there but if if you're looking for a guy with local ties who can come in and kind of play that quad a role um right away and and not really miss a beat, he's that guy for sure. I mean, I think I looked at his assist to turnover ratio is like four to one, and and for all the things that Quade did for that team last year, and he was a godsend for them in many many ways. The one thing he was not great at was holding on to the ball. And in talking to some of the guys down in Arizona that I've talked to, in um you know in trying to find out you know whether or not uh, Terrell Brown would be a guy that. Washington would take. They said one of the things that was his calling card was holding on to the ball, was valuing the ball, was getting it to the right places, was being a great teammate, which is obviously something we've talked about and, and, and have heard from Hopkins all year long in terms of the things that they really value. So he's, he's obviously a fit. But then you look at, you know, you talk about the portal again and you look at guys that have length, the guys that could play in a zone. You know, we just saw today. Now we're recording this around noon on Thursday. But uh, Emmett Matthews is now in the portal from West Virginia. He's a local guy. You know, you look at Tari Eason from Cincinnati. He's yeah. in the portal. He's a local guy. Um, there are guys out there that I think could really add value to them, especially defensively. Because, yes, Washington struggled mightily right out of the gate. We talked about it with Eric Stevenson. But everybody, everybody struggled coming out of the gate. But the one thing that you knew – Washington could do the first two years of the Mike Hopkins tenure was what they could play defense. They could play that zone. They could create something unique that was really, really difficult for other people's offenses to break down. And that just was not the case at all. The last 18 months. I mean, Washington's defense for lack of a better term was a sieve. And part of the reason was, is that they couldn't play the defense that Mike Hopkins wanted to play. And a lot of that's on him. I mean, he didn't have the bodies to be able to do it. And he's got to go out and find the bodies to do it. By getting a guy like R.E.B. to start with, that's a huge, yep. uh, that's a huge beginning. If you get guys like Eason or guys like Matthews who also have that kind of length that you require out of the wing or out in the front court, that's, those are other moves that he can make. And I guarantee you he's going to be looking really, really long and hard at those types of bodies because that's, that's the kind of body he needs to get back to. Anybody, yep. Tim, anybody that watches the tournament right now 
watch Syracuse. I mean, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. Those are the guys that he needs to target if he wants to play the defense he wants to play. Well, I expect them to bring in at minimum one and probably two more bigs. Um, you know, um, I know that they're going to go after Tari Eason hard, and I know that, you know, they're looking for somebody who can man the middle, more of a rim protector. But, you know, all of a sudden, the weakness of this team, if they're able to bring in at least two more bigs, when you take and hopefully get a much improved Nate Roberts and bring in a coach who can work with the bigs, but you've got Nate Roberts and then you're bringing in Jackson Grant. And then, uh, for example, you've got a guy like Tari Eason and a rim protector. Take a look at the bottom of the zone and look at how much more length is just been added to that zone. I expect them to bring in a point guard and probably two, you know, and with an emphasis on scoring as well. So uh, I think that, you know, this team is going to look dramatically different. And the other thing, Chris, is I expect the transfer portal to just explode. You know, it's usually after the uh, NCAA tournament ends is when we start seeing a lot of coaching changes. And when you start seeing coaching changes, I think you should, we'll see a lot more people added to the transfer portal and you know you take a look at the guys that are entering the transfer portal and they start you know getting recruited and they start looking for a landing spot the number one two three and four thing that i think anybody in the transfer portal is going to be looking for is playing time and when you take a look at what's going on at washington right now there's a lot of playing time available and i just have a feeling that this is going to be uh, I don't think Mike Hopkins is going to have a lack of people looking to come here, not only from the transfer portal, but, you know, he's still recruiting some high school kids as well. Well, sure. You can never neglect the high school thing because he, he needs players in the system that will stay, that are that want to be Huskies and that want to be great teammates and want to fit the program of guys that, that he can develop. It's and we're in a one and done age, you know. It's just that's what it is, and so you've got to be able to try to find a workaround and try to find ways to be able to get that done. And there are those guys out there. You just got to go out and really work hard and 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 turn over every rock and go and try to find those guys. Um, but there's no doubt. There's no doubt that it's so easy to to move around in this day and age that um, you've got to almost spend as much time with the portal. Uh, situation as you do with your normal recruiting territories. And Chris, one of the things too is, you know, we see some people saying, you know, the transfer portal is not the way to go, but you take a look at three of the teams that are still in the, you know, NCAA tournament, Oregon State, Oregon, and USC. They've hit the portal hard. I mean, they've hit it hard. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is like Oregon State, for instance, they hit the portal hard, but they got, they got junior college players. They didn't even have to go to other college. Now, Alatiche was at, Nickel State, if I remember correctly, but the other guys that they all brought in, like I think it was three other junior college players, for instance. Yeah. So that is another avenue that they can use. And under Romar, um, Washington from time to time did bring in junior college players. So that's not necessarily an uncommon thing, and that might be something that uh, that Hopkins look at, looks at as well. But again, to play the kind of defense he wants to play, he's got to get back to finding those guys that have the, the the measurables like a Thibel. And I think with an R.E.V., he, he's done that. And he needs to find more of those kind of guys because, you know, it's all it all starts on the defensive end if you're Mike Hopkins. Yeah. And, it's, and, and he's got to get that going. 
Oregon, uh, four transfers, I believe, was this past year and four the year before and USC with uh, five transfers this year. So this is just kind of it's it's new. Um, it's a new thing with the NCAA. It's going to be interesting to see how it evolves. But, uh, you know, Washington and Mike Hopkins are going to dive into it hard. So, you know, just stay tuned to dogman.com. I, you know, just this is one of those times where it's tough for us to leave our phones or leave our computers because news can be happening at any minute. And we, we still expect a lot of stuff to go on. So, um, we're going to take a quick break with a word from our sponsors and then we're going to come back and touch on football real briefly. Pro day coming up Tuesday up at UW. So, uh, uh, just stay tuned for that and more when we return. It's the guys from dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are back. I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetters. A lot of talk about basketball, uh, recruiting, the portal, and all of that. Uh, before we move on to Pro Day, Chris, is there anything else that we need to talk about on basketball? Did we leave any stone unturned there? No, just obviously I, I think you laid it out pretty well that, that uh, Washington fans, especially those that have really been um, – invested in the basketball program need to really uh, be on top of it and keep checking us uh, a lot in the coming days and weeks because uh, there is going to be a lot of changes that are made. And hopefully once we see what players and what coaches are added to the mix, we can get a much better idea of what uh, Mike Hopkins overall plan is and, and how he plans to deploy the, the new talent and uh, new staff that he has coming in. Pro Day coming up on Tuesday up at University of Washington. From my understanding, the NFL Network will be there and we'll be covering it live. I will be there as well. But uh, give us a little preview on what you anticipate on Tuesday, Chris. Well, it's going to be interesting because this is going to be, you know, due to the pandemic, there was no NFL scouting combine like they do in Indianapolis in February even though there were some Huskies that did get invited. Um, Levi Anzarike got invited. Joe Tryon got invited. Elijah Molden got invited. Key Taylor got invited. So those four guys, essentially what the NFL did was they're telling the individual schools, hey, when you have your individual pro day like Washington's going to have on the – it's the 31st, right? Yep. Yeah, so if it's, you know, if you're having it on the 31st, for instance, of March, the NFL will come in and they will treat that like that's those guys working out as they would have in Indianapolis. So they're essentially just kind of delegating the individual combine responsibilities onto the schools. And then in many ways, like the NFL Network, for instance, they're broadcasting a ton of these. Like I think USC's was just televised. Washington's will be televised as well. So that'll be a great opportunity for Washington fans to see how the, the, the guys that are um, draft eligible will be able to compete. They'll obviously go through their, their testing regimen. They do their forties. They do the shuttles. Um, they'll obviously do vertical jump. And, um, 
I don't know. They won't, they won't show the stuff like the bench and stuff like that. They, they may show little bits and clips of them, but they won't actually be able to go in there and show the full thing. They, they never have, at least as far as the media is concerned, at least in the past. So they'll do that. And then the on-field drills and the position drills are the stuff that I always like to watch. So it'll be fun to watch those guys because they would have been there at uh, the Dempsey Indoor anyway. But now it's going to have increased and heightened importance because it takes on the impact of it really being their NFL combine experience too. So that'll be good to watch. I'm, what I'm really curious about though is I'm going to be curious to see what other right. guys that are draft eligible decide to work out because there are a few guys that could certainly do it. Um, you know, springs to mind guys like, uh, Brandon McKinney. Um, could be a part of that aspect. Um, you know, you could see, I don't know. I mean, you, you could see a number of guys that could, that could be a part of that, um, that deal because they didn't have a ton of attrition. Um, you know, as we've noted on many of the stories that we've done, especially now that we're going through our pre-spring previews, you know, a number of these guys that would have been draft eligible this yeah. year have decided to come back. Guys well, like we Kate we could also see guys coming over from Eastern Washington and Washington State. I don't know who all is going to be there. We haven't got a list yet, so it will definitely has, be something to keep an eye on. Right. That has happened in the past for sure. And then they've even had guys that have decided they wanted to move on, um, come back and do some stuff. Like, um, you know, I mean, again, there's guys that have moved on to grad stuff like Jordan Chin. So he wouldn't do it, for instance, because he's going to be, I think, at Sacramento State. But like Josiah Bronson, I would expect him to be there, for instance, and be one of those guys. So it, it won't be a huge group because the number of seniors have decided to come back. Guys like Sean McGrew and um, Kamari Pleasant, Race Porter, Ryan Bowman, Luke Wattenberg. Yep. Um, you know, those guys that, you know, that they've all stayed. So the number won't be maybe as big as it has been in the past. But the level of ability and the quality of the talent on display is going to be something to watch. I also expect all 32 teams to be there because of the, you know, the different type talent that they have. They've got guys that could go first, second, third, or fourth round. So these aren't just strictly guys that are going to be in the top 10, but you know, we've seen, you know, Tryon listed as high as number 10, Levi in the first round, as low as third round, and they're all over the board on some of these guys. So it's going to be interesting, but I fully expect 32 teams to be there. So I expect it to be real busy. So uh, we're limited on the amount of people that we can have there. I will be the one there covering it. And then Scott and Chris will be covering it via home. So, you know, we'll get you covered. Anything else going on that we need to go about? By the way, spring ball starts on April 7th. So we're doing our previews on that. So we're all ready to go on that. And um, anything else going on that we haven't talked about, Chris? Uh, no, I just, but I would like to continue on that thread a little bit about, um, the, the pro day and just underscore how important it's going to be, especially for those three guys at the top. Because as you noted, I mean, we've seen Joe Tryon listed in, in mock round, first round guys. We've seen, um, Levi Onzerike mocked as a first round guy in a ton of mock drafts. I've seen Elijah Molden get mocked in a, in a ton of first round drafts as well, but, We've seen a lot of variants too. I mean, we've seen them be anywhere from, like you said, I mean, Joe Tryon could be a, you know, a, a middle of the teens pick. He could be anywhere from 10 to 20 or whatever, but I've also seen him drop all the way down into the late second or even yeah. early third rounds. 
this is where these pro day experiences really count. And, and, and I will fully agree 100%, Kim, all the NFL teams are going to be there. Well, They're, Keith Taylor is the guy I think is going to get a lot of attention because he just kind of isn't getting all the pub that a lot of other guys. And I think he probably has the most question marks. Well, there's no doubt about it. His length, his size is good, is the most intriguing thing and how they can utilize that. Because of course we have to remember the, the, these NFL front offices, they're, they're, they're looking at all seven rounds. They're not just worried about the first round guys. Obviously, they're going to put more detail and do more due diligence on the first round guys simply because there's more money involved. But they're really looking at everybody they can possibly look at. And there's no doubt that Keith Taylor might be arguably the most intriguing guy out of all the players that are going to be testing and performing at UW's Pro Day. But I will say this again, with the top three guys having so much variance in the mocks, and I'm not saying the mocks are a be-all and end-all in terms of, you know, they they are a true reflection or a, or a mirror of what to expect on draft night. They It does go to show that there's still questions, there's still some uncertainty on what front offices think of guys like Anzarike or Tryon yeah. or Molden. And so if they have monster pro days, it'll either confirm what the NFL pro, pro offices thought or it's going to all of a sudden add more questions to the mix. So, so Joe, I just think there's so there's going to be a lot of storylines going into that pro day, and it's going to be fun to watch. So Joe Tryon, um, you know, we've seen pictures of him out online. Um, does he uh, go ahead and sport the UW shirt, or does he go full Amon St. Brown and ditch the shirt and show off? What do you think? Um, if I was him, I'd show off. I, I, I mean, if, if I, I would, I'd, I'd go full. I'd go full DK Metcalf. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, it's if, if I was is, him, I would just burn every shirt I had, and never wear one unless I had I, to. I remember back in the day that was Victor Iewa. I mean, Victor Iewa, he would come out and he was just absolutely shredded. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, well, you got it. You put it there. Do What's it. What's Joe about six six two sixty two seventy now? Uh huh. Yeah. No, and he's. I'm sure he's every bit of that. And. um yeah, he he is a specimen. He's an absolute, you know, uh he'd he'd be like uh what Kai Ellis was back in the day. You know, we used to call him what was his nickname? The, the creature. creature. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's he's just that he's just a different cat. Yeah. So be, um fully expect him to, to not why would you wear anything? Yeah, just <laughs> Yeah, just a reminder if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. Again, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. Also do us a favor. We work our tails off at dogman.com. You know, it's just, you know, we've had these conversations. We run a minimum of 120 stories a month. And that's not even including what the recruiting guys and everybody else is uh, helping us out with. But uh, we're generating about 120 stories a month minimum. And when it comes to the season, you know, it's probably closer to 200. Tell your friends to subscribe. Tell them not to be lazy. Tell them not to be cheap. It's good. And uh, for those of you who aren't members, if you're just reading the front pages, you're not getting all the stuff. The good stuff, the inside stuff, all of that's out on our message boards. A hardcore football, hardcore recruiting, and a hardcore basketball board. That's where you're going to get the inside stuff. That's where you're going to know stuff before anybody else. So uh, take a look at those and please subscribe. We've been doing this a long time, Chris, since 1997. We've been around a long, long time, so uh, I didn't have any gray hair back then. But anyways, uh, anything else we need to cover, Chris? Final thoughts at all? No, I'm good to go. 
All right. So am I. So anyways, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fatters. Stay tuned. Go dogs. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the bike. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.